Well, in 2 Peter, we have the, the last words of Peter to believers, inspired, of course, by God the Holy Spirit. But these were things uh, that, Paul, that Peter was inspired to write down. The last words that uh, he was inspired to write. And so they are important. I want to draw our attention eventually to the, the very, very last words at the end of the third chapter and final chapter of 2 Peter. Uh, giving a, a run-up to that verse in particular. Uh, the setting is that Paul, Peter knows that he is uh, to die in the not-too-distant future. In chapter 1 and verse 13, Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am here in this tent, he's referring to his body, to stir you up to remind you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So all that uh, Peter's been uh, telling and teaching, he's going to see to it that there is a reminder. And uh, perhaps it's quite likely that from that, we know he was uh, closely associated with, uh, with Mark and uh, maybe the Gospel of Mark uh, came from that. The things of Christ being there as a reminder through the word of God. In chapter 1, he's encouraging all believers uh, not to stay on a plateau. One of the dreads I've always had, I think uh, being encouraged as a young believer to look to keep on making progress. <clears throat> Whatever stage we're at, we've not arrived I mean, even when we get to glory, there'll be things to learn. Of course, there'll be things to learn uh, about the glory of God's creation, the glory of the triune being of God. But while we're here, our great task is to pursue God and to seek to know more of Him. And so in that great first chapter of 2 Peter, and so many books have been written on that chapter, and so many commentators have delved into it, so many preachers have preached on it, but all this, this add to your faith and grow, make progress. It's deadly to stand still. Uh, keep on moving. Don't slide backwards. Don't hit the plateau. We need to keep on advancing in our faith. And that's really uh, much of chapter one. Chapter two, uh, Peter is uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit to warn against uh, destructive doctrines and false teachers and uh, false deceptions, the depravity of false teachers. Um, error, error. Uh, he's bringing to focus God against error. You know, the best way to guard against error, there's so many religions and different sects uh, throughout the world. Uh, how, how can we guard against all these multiplicities of errors that are thrown up against us? Well, it's to know the truth and to know the truth well and so to be soaked in the Scriptures. So really, chapter 2 is taken up with the avoiding of error. Uh, and then, uh, he moves into chapter 3, and uh, really this is this exhortation to live in the light constantly and to be mindful of constantly the, the ultimate reality. Uh, Christ will return. 
This world is temporary. However long we have lived here, and uh, again, I don't have to look around for the oldest person here tonight, but it's a mere spark. It's a nothing compared to forever. You know, forever is a very long time. Uh, and to reach 100 here is nothing. And think of Methuselah, 969. Well, when he finally went, he said, well, he went like a flash. Where have the years gone? I remember being 250. I remember that birthday very, very well. I remember being 500. We really marked that as a family. Where have 969 years gone? And so it is. However long we live, it is so brief. And so in chapter 3, we're really brought to focus on forever and eternity and the end of life as we know it and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, someone has uh, calculated, I'm sure many have looked to do this, there are around about 2,000 prophecies and references to the return of Jesus Christ. Far more than there are prophecies about His first coming, there are many more prophecies about His return. If there are 2,000, on average, one in every 30 verses would speak about this great event that hasn't yet happened. How do I know it hasn't happened while we're still here? It hasn't happened yet. We don't know when it will be, but it will be sudden. But many will scoff, we're told here in chapter 3. Scoffers will come scoffing, and this is around 60 AD that this was written. Where is this coming that was spoken of? And here we are, 2023. Where is this coming? But God's Word is always true, and the warnings of the judgment in the Old Testament, the floods, uh, there it's happened. But no longer will there be a flood, but the earth is being reserved for destruction by fire. He reminds me of God's timings here in verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. Why is he taking so long, they were saying in 60 AD. And here we are in 2023. A thousand years a day, a day as a thousand years. Years. God dwells in eternity. We are time bound. We're passing through time. God is not time bound. He dwells in eternity. And uh, to Him, a day, a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. Two thousand years have passed. Where is His coming? It's as if two days had gone by. Not even that. And then, Peter, inspired by the Spirit, reminds believers about God's patience. Verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's not an easy verse to work through. God desires that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. I don't want to dwell there tonight. I'll leave it with you. But the patience of God. I'm so glad that Christ didn't return in 1975, because I wasn't a believer in 1975. Here we are in 2023. Who's he being patient with here this evening? If he comes tonight, are you Are you ready? Now, he will return, we're told here, verse 10, very dramatic, but the end will come. The end will come. We don't know the time, we don't know the hour, we don't know the date. We know the events that will happen. It'll be very noisy, we're told. Earth-shattering. 
The elements melting. Hasn't happened yet. Because the Lord is long-suffering. Desiring that none should perish. I love that. God's desire. What's your desire? He desires that none. It's a very small number, none. There's nothing in none. He desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's timing, a thousand years a day, a day a thousand years, God's patience, God's desire, but the end will come. Be sure of this, the end will come. Verse 10, suddenly, as a thief in the night, unexpectedly, as a thief in the night, it will be dramatic, it will be noisy. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. This will not be quiet. And the deaf will hear it. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. All that there is will, all that we now know and understand will, will disappear. Burned up. Therefore, a question is asked, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for, here we are now, looking for, and, again, interesting phrase here, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Can we be involved in hastening that day? Well, uh, how would that be? Well, it seems that the last indication the last thing to be fulfilled before uh, Christ returns, uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. And for those who uh, maybe tick off, well, the gospel hasn't been proclaimed here, and this is a closed country, but countries closed now uh, haven't always been closed, and who knows what people groups are already there uh, in, in glory. No, we can't second-guess that. And how God can move so very swiftly. I, mean, I do believe there'll be a, a great return by the ancient people of God to reality and to truth. I believe there'll be a great revival uh, amongst the Jews. But you know that could happen overnight. It could happen tonight. God is able to do that. We can't say, oh, well, we haven't seen this great in gathering yet, so well, we still have time. We really don't know. God can do in moments what it takes our weaknesses thousands of years to achieve. God is able to do that. And so we can help to hasten this day in our activities, our preaching, our sharing, and our witnessing. Hastening the coming of the day. Because of which, again, he speaks about these dramatic events. The heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. So what sort of a people ought we to be? All these things that we now know and love will, will disappear. They will be dissolved. All that people have, all the empires, everything will be will be gone. The richest person in the world, I think uh, Elon Musk has now been overtaken by, I've forgotten the chap's name, but he's got a few billion more than Elon Musk. But it's, it's all going to go. And, and given that that will happen, 
Why are we so concerned about these minor things? These things that preoccupy us uh, so much. Why aren't we set on the eternal weight uh, of glory that the Bible holds before our very eyes? Let's be captivated. Uh, a new determination by eternal issues and may little things remain little things. Alistair Begg's got a, a wonderful uh, little phrase. I'm sure he wasn't the first to use it, but it's a very good maxim. Uh, Let the plain things of the Bible me be the main things in our lives. And may the main things in our lives be the plain things of the Bible. Let them dominate our lives. But what sort of people ought we to be? And the answer comes then, verse 14 and onwards. We need to be looking forward, verse 14. Therefore, again, just emphasizing this, beloved brothers, Christian people, looking forward to these things. What things? Well, the end of life as we know it and the ushering in of that eternal reality. I mean, in a billion years from now, what will we be doing? Will we remember this world? We'll remember Jesus Christ and what it cost to get us in glory. What I had, she had, you had, I don't have, he doesn't have. Issues of uh, minor importance really will have passed away. So the real encouragement here, Paul, uh, Peter is saying, inspired by the Spirit, since all these things will be dissolved, let's look ahead, look forward. Are you, are you excited about these things? Are you looking forward uh, to glory? Are you looking forward to His return? In a sense, I'm saying, well, not yet, Lord. There's, uh, I've got one child not yet converted. I'm not sure about my, my grandchildren. But it's in His time. It's in His timing. But we ought to be looking ahead to it. Looking up. <clears throat> Said of John Wesley that every day he will keep heaven and hell before his eyes. That eternal perspective is absolutely vital to keep us from dissolving into petty little things that really are of no consequence. Shame on us when we get tangled up in things that are really of no consequence when it comes to this eternal weight of glory. So he's saying here, Beloved, in the light of these things, let us look forward to these things, being diligent to be found by him when he returns. How is he going to find us? In peace, without spot, and blameless. In peace. Be in peace with God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore in peace with one another. Are we really in peace with one another? Do you have any argument with a brother or sister in the congregation here? If you do, let it go, let it go, let it go. I won't burst into song. There are bigger issues at stake. The gospel should make a difference to you and me. I've been reconciled to God. The great war has ended. Why would I build up barriers? Or whatever they might be. Yeah, one comes readily to mind again. We, we've been discussing this thing. I mean, I think constitutionally, or whether it's the confession, or whatever it might be, we've got a lovely position on, on baptism. Now I think Peter Baptists are quite wrong. I think they got it wrong. 
I, I, um, I, I think it's, uh, it's credo baptism. The Bible's very plain. The main things be the plain things, the plain things, the main things. Believe and be baptized. But maybe I'm pretty simple. Is it a big issue? Are we going to fall out about it? Shame on it. Thank you. Thank you for some audience parties. No, we're not. No, we're not. May the Lord bless you if you're a, a, a pedo-baptist and that's the conclusion you've come to in all conscience from the Scriptures. I think you're wrong, but actually I could be wrong. And you know, I, I wonder, when it comes to landing on the shores of glory, could it be the Lord said, well, you were both right and you were both wrong? And really our attitudes count for a lot, don't they? They count for a lot. So let's look to be at peace about things that... Now, I'll contend with you if you say that Jesus Christ is not the eternal Son of God, He's not very God of very God and light of light, He's not the second person of the one triune God. I have a contention with you, there can be no peace. If you say there is no hell, I have a contention with you, there can be no peace. If you say that the Holy Spirit is just an influence and not a person, there can be no peace. There are many things I can agree to disagree and I can love you deeply from the heart. So, keep on looking to his coming. And when he comes, may we be found in peace, not only with him, but certainly with each other. Uh, the passage then goes on to say that we should wait patiently, consider, verse 15, that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, um, patiently waiting, patiently and uh, also, verse 17 here, watch yourself that you don't fall into error. Therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with error by the wicked. Well, now we come to verse 18. What's, what, what is it that will keep us looking up, loving each other, being at peace? It's this progress. So here's a, a resolution, a spiritual resolution for 2023. Enough of the plateau. Let's look to take off again. Enough of taxiing along the runway. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit jet engines to be put on. And let's feel that, that lift. I can't do it myself. Doesn't matter how much I run along a runway, I need that power of God the Holy Spirit. Grow, grow, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. The, um, the Greek word here, oxano, for growth is it's not a, a rapid thing. But it's, um, it's the prolonged form of the verb to grow. It means a, a steady, solid increase. It's a sort of growth that maybe you don't observe instantly. It's like the growth of, uh, of plants. You were coming up towards the spring soon. I, I, I love, I'm just so happy we passed the 25th of December, 21st of December. Uh, we've passed the shortest day, and summer's coming. 
Every day, you know, every day we're getting about two minutes more light every day now. And by next week, that'll be another 15 minutes worth of light. Isn't it wonderful? I, I love the summer. And soon we'll be planting the seeds. And, uh, and I look at them every day. Well, and then something pops up. Life, I know. Oh, there's life now. Born again. That seed's converted. And I look at it and you, you water it. And, but it's not, you know, it's so, it's, it's happening though. And I put the beans out every year into the garden. I think, oh dear, they look so weak. Oh, and they're, come on, come on now. I'm trying to encourage them. Do what I can. But by, you know, the middle of the, uh, the well, early summer, wow, what a, what a great display there is there. There's been steady <clears throat> growth. We've got now 13 grandchildren. Well, two, two additions recently, two, two grandsons. Now, they don't suddenly become adults. Of course they don't. It's this Oxano, this uh, slow, steady, oh, you haven't grown since I saw you yesterday. Of course I haven't, Grandad. No. Uh, 13-year-old grandson said uh, he's arrived down for a few days. Um, Pip seems to be getting smaller, Grandad. That's the dog. Or am I getting bigger? Well, he doesn't see the dog for, you know, months at a time. Maybe, yeah, actually, you are getting bigger, Joseph. And by perspective, the dog may be does look smaller, but Oxano, and for you and for me as Christians, and then after these uh, shooting stars, or the, uh, the parable of the sower, uh, the, the, the shallow soil, and it sprung up quickly, but then the sun comes out, it has no root, so it withers away. No, the slow and the, the steady growth, this Oxano, grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Grow. Now, Two parts to this growth. First of all, grow in the knowledge. The knowledge of who? He's given his full title now. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's also our Saviour. The full title here, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. When it comes to his person and his work, who he is and what he's done, we need to be making progress and we need to, to, to grow in that knowledge. Now, when it comes to Christian growth, I think there are two parts of it. I'm saying here there's the first part, growing the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. This is comparatively easy. And the Greek word here is gnosis, which means a firm knowledge <clears throat> about something or somebody. This is a firm knowledge about the Lord, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. This is not a vague thing. This knowledge is not speculative. This knowledge is real and it is sound. Now how am I to do that in 2023? How are you to do it in 2023? It might mean dusting off some of those books that have been gathering dust on the shelves. You bought them in the banner sale maybe 30 or 40 years ago and they stood there looking pretty impressive ever since. Maybe it's time to start taking some of these volumes down. I remember, <clears throat> as a young Christian, um, in enthusiasm from the banner sale, I bought, uh, I think I was 22 or so, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ by John Owen. It might have been mentioned by Mr. Hyam from the pulpit. I thought, I'll get that book. It nearly killed me. Aye, aye. I couldn't make head or tail of it. And then I had some advice from somebody, oh, with John Owen, you need to get a pencil 
and sketch through what he's saying because he starts with a point, then he has a sub-point, then he has a sub-sub-point of the sub-point, then a sub-sub-point. So you've got point one, point one B, point one B, point one, point one B, point one A, different figure A, so very, but, hey, later on, I think this is in my 50s now, I put John Owen to one side. I got out a volume on uh, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and started to read again. Glorious. Glorious. Just absolutely wonderful. And to just spend time page by page. That's going to an extreme. I'll tell you how we, how we grow. Because, in, in, of course, in Peter's time, they didn't have John Owen, didn't have Calvin Institutes. They had very little apart from, well, the Scriptures were being written, the New Testament, they had the Old Testament, and it's mainly here. This is where we need to focus. How do I grow? <clears throat> well, I use, I use generously the means of grace. Now, we know what that means, the, mean, the means of grace. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we learn about the early church and those converted on the day of Pentecost. And we're told this, they devoted themselves. I love that. They, they devoted. They gave it their heart. They, they didn't just give themselves, but they devoted themselves. And they did it themselves. They weren't, it wasn't the, uh, the apostles ringing them up or sending a carrier pigeon. Where well, I missed you in the service today. Where... Where were you? No, they didn't have to be encouraged. They, they were there. They devoted themselves to what? Well, the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And they're the four pillars of the means of grace. And uh, we've had them uh, today and we're, we're going to have the, uh, the breaking of bread, but we've had uh, the apostles' teaching. You haven't got an apostle, but you've got apostolic teaching because all I'm doing... I've read an apostle and I'm just looking to open it up, break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. Here it is, the apostolic teaching. And so we're under it, we're under it, and we have prayers. Fellowship, it's so important. Get to the men's breakfast, ladies' meetings, hang around after a service. If you're a little bit shy, look to overcome that and help each other. Uh, lock the doors, keep them in, stewards. I don't know, what, what, what can we do? Fellowship. I need to be encouraged. Every day, every day. The Bible says I do. We can soon grow so dry. Oh, I encourage one another. A text. Missed you today in the service. Anything we can be doing? Come along to the men's breakfast. I'll pick you up. Fellowship, breaking of bread. These are the means of grace. And the, the Bible, you see, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. John 5, 39 Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, you earnestly seek the Scriptures, thinking that, uh, search the Scriptures, thinking in them you'll have eternal life. But these are the very Scriptures that speak about me, says the Lord Jesus. The, the two on the road to Emmaus, he opened up the Scriptures, the Old Testament. And it was all about him. The Bible is all about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I need to be much in the Word of God. This wonderful verse, Colossians chapter 3. How do I grow? Well, the Word of God is absolutely vital. If I'm to know this knowledge of Jesus Christ, I need to be in the Word of God. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let, yeah, powerful again, allow, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not meanly, but richly. So how do I let this word of God dwell in me richly that points me and tells me all about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I can, I can read it. How wonderful to have a Bible. How wonderful that uh, wherever I am, I can take out this phone, I can go to this app here, and uh, I can pull up oh, about 20 versions of the Bible. I've got my, you might wonder how it is, I can be so knowledgeable about Greek words. Well, I've got a Greek-English interlinear, there it is. <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's just there. And above the English words, a Greek one. And I've learned the Greek alphabet. I can say the word. I press the word. It, ooh, it opens up and it tells me all about what that Greek word means. It tells me the tense is there as, as well. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Now, probably didn't have that. Well, they had the Greek text, of course, in the, the early church. But uh, yeah, to uh, how do I let this word dwell in me? I need to read the Bible. Read it. Read it day by day by day. Um, have a set time where you're reading the Word uh, of God. Read it. And then I need to be hearing it to put myself under the preaching of the Word. Do I have to go twice on a Sunday? No. No. If your church only has one service, you go once on a Sunday. If it has three, you'd go to three, wouldn't you? Why would you not want to be there? If there are two... Well, there happened to be two here. So, what else would you be doing tonight? <laughs> well, well, what else is attractive? But to be sad under the Word of God. And that in an extraordinary way, here's the Holy Spirit moving and applying the Word to... Why would I want to be anywhere else? It's a matter of hunger and desire. Let the Word of God, the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly. I can, I can read it myself. I can hear it preached. I can memorize it. Scripture memory. I did a lot of that as a, a student. Um, and, and lots of things have stuck and lodged in, in here now. So I can, I can uh, read it. I can hear it preached. I can uh, memorize it. I can study it as well as reading. There are times when I want to study a particular theme or a passage and so get out and look at the Scriptures throughout what it says on this particular thing, Bible study. And then a final way, and it's one that's often neglected today because we just don't seem to have time, or there's too much of social media and TV and, and radio and uh, music, and, but meditation, to muse on the Word of God, to meditate. Let it dwell in you richly so you get in the car Instead of turning on the radio, you just muse on a verse. Behold, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. I wouldn't, just to think on this thing, to meditate. My meditation of him shall be sweet. The knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ is found in the Scriptures. I say that's the easier because gnosis alone is never enough. 
If all I have is intellectual knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ gathered from the Scripture, I can become harsh, arrogant, proud, a know-all. I can condemn others who don't hold exactly the same point of view as I do. And so this word gnosis is tempered by the word grace. I don't only grow in the gnosis of my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, I need to grow in the grace of my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And so now it comes into balance with what Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 10, I want to know him, that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. And the root Greek word used for knowledge there is ginosko, which is more than a mere intellectual knowledge, but it's a perception and an apprehension and something experimental that's involved there. Growing the grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now I want to say this is the hard part. In a sense, it's easy to listen to a sermon and read my Bible and do my bit and go home. What happens between the head and the heart, the head and the soul, the mind and my inner being is absolutely vital that I don't only have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I have that grace of Christ. Every sermon ought to point me to Him. I want to apprehend Him. Every quiet time ought to be pointing me to Him. I want to actually know Him. I want to apprehend him. I want to encounter him. Fellowship between believers. We had a lovely time last night at our home. A few families came around that we knew from St. Melons and uh, just a lovely evening. And I was, I was it for the day. Yesterday I gave my wife the day off. I said, you go out, you've done enough. And uh, I could see she was flagging a bit and I, I did the buffet uh, tea. It's actually, I found it's hard work. And the deal was, she should preach today, but she's not here. <laughs> but we had some lovely conversations. It was hard work, I'm glad we did it. It's just lovely to speak about the Lord with fellow believers and what's happening in their lives and uh, what's now happening in St. Do pray for St. Melanie's Baptist Church. Still no pastor. Uh, do, do pray that soon there'll be a man, and not any man, I'm praying it's a man after God's own heart, a gospel-centered man who would uh, take up the cause of the gospel and lead the cause. You know, it's the only reformed, uh, if, we, if we want to use that word, uh, fellowship in the east of Cardiff. It's a real, a real outpost of uh, a gospel, well, other gospel churches, but I'm saying this is the only reformed uh, gospel witness in the east of Cardiff, that I, that I know of anyway. Do pray they'd have the right man sent uh, to them. So every time I hear a sermon, read the Bible, have fellowship, I'm, I'm seeking him. Now, I don't want to discourage you because folks have said to me, well, you talk about this, but I don't seem to attain that. My friends, for myself, for you. Let's at least aim there. I'm watching the World Darts Championship, and it's thrilling stuff, and... Uh, Great to see. I mean, how these guys, well, they practice, don't they? They practice. How do they hit these different things? They're aiming at the treble 20. They don't always hit it. I never hit it, except by a fluke, if I'm lucky to hit the board. But uh, at least you're aiming there. You're aiming there. 
So when I come to the Bible, I've got to remind myself what my aim is. I don't always hit it. I don't always attain. But I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Oh, grow, not only in knowledge, but also in the grace that I might become more and more like him. Not just to know about him, but like him. And it's judged in my conduct. Now, some disciples, some, some mothers were coming towards Jesus, bringing their little children. And the disciples said, oh, he hasn't got time for you. Jesus is indignant. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For as such is the kingdom of heaven. Those disciples thought they were doing the right thing. They were not. They didn't have the heart of Jesus Christ. A woman caught in the very act of adultery. Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? What do you say? And it's very graphic. He bends down and he's... I wonder what he was writing in the dust. I, I don't know. What do you say? What do you say? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. It's just quite amazing. Woman, are there none here to condemn you? No, sir. Neither do I. But go and sin no more. A leper actually approaches him. It should never have happened. The people are horrified. Get away, get away. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. Astonishing, he touches him. <laughs> well, not only the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but a heart of compassion that comes through having the grace of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ to meditate on him, to muse on him, to spend time looking, fixing, gazing, becoming. I want to conclude here. Really, The time is, is well gone. We need to come on to the communion. So with this aim in mind, all else really falls into place. My motivation 2023 may it be yours also that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a brief time in your word. Time goes so very, very quickly as we approach the communion table now, Father. Bless us as we meet around the table. If we have to leave before the communion service, Father, may we leave this place knowing your peace and your presence and your protection amongst us. But help us, each one, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our final hymn. Ah, yes, this great hymn of Krishna Paul. I think he was one of the first converts in India. And uh, a wonderful hymn, Oh, now my soul forgets no more, the friend who all thy misery bore. Let every idol be forgot, but oh, my soul, forget him not. Let's stand and sing together.
good cares. We approach again now the Lord's table. Prepare our hearts. We thank you that sin can never keep us from this table, otherwise none of us would be here. But it's unconfessed and unrepented of sin. So Father, help us now to be preparing our hearts, keeping short accounts with you. We thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us for our sins if we simply confess them to you. Help us then, we pray now. In Christ's name, amen.